0: Welcome to the Sweet Spot sponsored by Pinch a Penny Pool Patio Spa. I'm your host Corey Bradley. Today I'm joined by my guy, new member of the Atlanta Braves organization, second round pick number 76 overall, Blake Burkhalter, Blake man. How you doing, dude?
1: Doing great. How you doing, Corey?
0: I'm good, man. So glad I could have you on the show. Uh, you know, this is not your first time being on the show. We've we've done this before, man. It's been a few years, so I'm glad to have you back as a guest on The Sweet Spot. And, you know, I went back and listened to our, our first interview that we did together. And you could tell we were both kind of new to the game, you know, as far as yeah. conversations and being recorded and talking and stuff. Yeah. Man... I sound like a little rookie, man. Like, dude, I was like, man, <laughs> I don't even
1: want to go back and hear myself. <laughs> I know it's bad,
0: dude. I was just kind of like, wow, I've grown. Like, I've really grown in this thing. So, uh, you know, yeah. and dude, um, and I'll tell you, like that that interview, you were like, like my fourth interview I did, I think. Like, I, as far okay. as I, I just started out recording, but as far as student athletes go, it was Jack Martin, as you know, uh, yeah. Autumn Adley Mays. And then that same day that you recorded, Collins McClintock was there, so okay. uh so yeah man, I was just new to the podcast game, and at that point I was very new to having student athlete interviews on the show, so uh yeah man, glad to have you back on the show but i'll I'll tell you this you know, I asked you this in the first time uh, about your sweet spot, you know your sweet spot moment when you're on the mound, what's that moment that just gives you chills. That's the best, you know, the best experience that you have when you're playing a game of baseball. Um, during the first time, you said it was that 1-2-3 inning, having that 1-2-3 shut inning. Has that changed at all, or is there a new sweet spot feeling that you have?
1: Uh, I mean, that 1-2-3, the 1-2-3 punch was uh, pretty good, but kind of as I've evolved as a pitcher and, and come into a closing role, uh, at Auburn, I mean, just getting that last out and striking that last guy out in the game and, and that adrenaline rush you get when you come in the game and it's all just – it's all flowing to you and then you get that last out and your team's celebrating and you're shaking hands on the, on the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's kind of turned into my sweet spot.
0: Yeah, yeah, dude. I, I can imagine. I mean, you know, I've been a baseball fan my whole life and, you know, especially when you're rooting for a certain team – And, you know, like you said, you get that final out and you see the jubilation that comes from the team and especially between uh, the pitcher and catcher, you know, like just that embrace that I've seen with you and LaRue before. So, um, yeah, I I would imagine that's one of the best feelings to have when you shut a team down, shut them out, clinch the victory in one of the more highly pressurized situations that you could have in any sport. You know, I mean, being a closer Man, everybody's not yeah. built for that, man. Everybody's not built for the you know, for that for that last two, three outs or whatever or you know, in your case, man, you've you've had to get more than two, three outs on several occasions. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. But um but yeah, man, I'm not shocked at all, that's your sweet spot moment. I can imagine as a closer that would be a pretty special experience. Every single time, regardless of who you play, like it's always nice to go ahead and get that game out the way. We got the W. We can move on to See another day,
1: yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: Now, you know, people know you're a success, man. I mean, you know, second team All SEC, second team All American by three different organizations. I mean, dude, you you've racked up so many accolades in this one season alone. But man, talk about the difficulties and the challenges that you had as an Auburn pitcher. I mean. In your three years, going from freshman to sophomore, sophomore to junior, like I said, we know what you've done and what you've succeeded at. But talk about some of the challenges that you embraced as an Auburn Tiger.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, freshman year, you got COVID, so we played, what, 18 games, I believe. I uh, got cut short. Didn't really get to show anything that I was, uh, that I had. I think I had four innings that freshman year. And then sophomore year, I couldn't land a breaking ball all year. It was just a struggle. Every time I went out there, I felt like I was pitching with just a fastball. And, and trying to survive in the SEC with just a fastball was very difficult,
2: Yeah, especially yeah.
1: if you're not throwing 100. So <laughs> uh, I just felt like the whole sophomore season, I needed I needed another pitch. I needed something to lean on. Um, and luckily, Tim Hudson, uh, my pitching coach at the time, he uh he showed me the cutter grip. He told me to go, go to the summer. Um, I was playing in Virginia and he said, go work on this grip, uh, and try to get a feel for it. Cause it was, I mean, a really helpful pitch for him back when he played. So I went up to Virginia, uh, in the cat Ripken league and I played in Alexandria, which is right outside of DC, uh, worked on my cutter, worked on my change up. I was still throwing the slider a little bit, but I mean, it was, it was still inconsistent. Uh, and then I got here in the fall, I got back in the fall and, uh, the cutter was landing. The changeup was still working good, and then I completely scrapped the slider because mm-hmm. the cutter was so effective. Yeah, uh, and I mean, just that—just trying to find another pitch off the fastball was 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 pretty difficult throughout the first two years of college. Um, but then finally, finally getting it this year and everything clicks and and falls into place, and good things happen.
0: Now, man, talk about. Facing some of those insanely talented lineups in the SEC, uh, speak on the challenges of you know not really having to worry about just two or three guys, but pretty much the entire lineup when you are facing some of those juggernauts.
1: Yeah, uh, <laughs> I had a little struggle there uh, with a couple teams. I mean, Ole Miss—they got pretty much one through nine. Depending on the day, they could all be hot, and the day I played that they had pitching. against them they were all at um Tennessee I mean one through nine they could mm-hmm. all swing it uh in LSU those are probably the three toughest teams uh pitching wise that you had to face cause I mean there's no batter you can just get a take a breath on it's just one after the other and you, yeah. it's a dog fight every time so uh those three teams come to the top of my mind when I when I think about a SEC lineup but uh yeah I mean definitely like I said like Something off that fastball, and luckily I had that this year and and had some success there. But it it was, it was, uh, it's pretty tough to stay consistent in the SEC and and know what you're getting out of each pitcher every time they come out there, especially when they're facing lineups like that.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So, you know, you talked about playing for the Alexandria Aces and working on your cutter, scrapping the slider in the Cal Ripken League. You mentioned in a conversation to me before how important that experience was for you like how that opportunity was a catalyst going into your junior year man speak on what you learned what you grew besides uh, obviously developing the cutter but just how that experience in the Cal Ripken league was beneficial for you this past season
1: yeah so the confident I mean I mean the competition wasn't that great up there so it was more like a confidence booster and it's definitely something I that I needed uh and you kind of get into that mentality where like none of these hitters are better than you out there and get them out every time. Uh, So that confidence uh, and that, that mentality definitely helped as a closer this year. Um, Getting, getting that mindset as you come into the game, just, just working on it over the summer and then into the fall, it definitely helped, especially, I mean, like they told me before the season started, like, Hey, you're going to need a chance to be a closer. And, I mean that's pretty much all I did up there in the uh, in that league in Virginia. So uh, just practicing it and building that confidence was were the main keys that I took away from um, from playing in Virginia.
0: So man, what was your initial reaction once they told you like, hey Blake, this upcoming season you got a shot to be the guy to shut down the ninth for the Auburn Tigers? I mean, uh, talk about when you first received that confirmation of being informed you had a chance to do it, and then talk about what it was like once you received the news that you were the guy?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, kind of coming in before the fall started, I knew I had a chance. And then once the fall, like, got going and I was being pretty consistent, I was having a pretty good fall. I kind of – it was like they were pitching me as a closer the whole mm-hmm. time and I mm-hmm. kind of knew it was coming that way. And then the team kind of votes on different different things, I guess. Uh, and then they pick. Uh, I don't remember what all we what all we voted on, but um I mean I had I had a really good fall and stats wise as well so they kind of they kind of helped uh, with that decision to be the closer but I mean we needed some some person in that role uh, because last year we couldn't close out any games
2: mm-hmm.
1: and somebody had to step up so I was just I was just glad to be able to fill that role with the team.
0: So you're listening to my guy, Blake Burkhalter, new member of the Atlanta Braves organization, second-round pick, 76 overall, here on the Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinch-A-Penny Pool Patio Spa. Blake, man, um, talk about the experience of being on the mound, recording the final six outs against UCLA, then to close the regional in Auburn and then record the final eight outs in Corvallis, man, to, to shut down the Beavers of Oregon state, man. Talk about being on the mound and, and being the guy to shut those teams out to advance to the next stage. I mean, speak on that experience.
1: Yes. So uh, UCLA, that game got split in half. So there was rain that Mm -hmm. night uh, and we had like a nine, I can't remember how many runs we were up. It was like nine to two or something. Yeah, yeah, something you're right. Crazy. So nine to two. Going in the next day, it was kind of more like, all right, let's just not blow this lead. Yeah. Uh, so that adrenaline and all that, i mean, it was it was there. But I don't know. The mentality was a little different. It wasn't kind of like a close game, and you got to go in there and just have everything like set when you came in. It was more like, man, I just got to throw the ball over the plate. <laughs> with, I'm pitching with a lead. Uh, let's let's get out of here and. and uh like win this regional for Auburn because I mean 2010 was the last time there was a regional there but I don't even know when the last time they I don't know if they've ever I guess they've won a regional there I don't know uh but I mean that was awesome yeah uh throwing that last out and running we took a lap around the field a victory lap and all the fans were going crazy and we were just fired up It that was an amazing expo- experience uh and then Corvallis I got, I got the chance to close Friday – or it was a Saturday, Sunday, Monday series. I got the chance to close Saturday and Monday. Yep. Uh, I mean, that was an awesome place. That atmosphere up there is pretty much like an SEC atmosphere. <laughs> uh, I guess there were probably 3,500, 4,000 fans, but it felt like they were right on top of you. And all the guys said the same thing. Like, those fans, I mean, they yelled the majority of the game, but they were definitely that that third game when it came down to the wire. Uh, and it was four to three. That was uh, That was probably one of the most memorable experiences of my life. Uh, I got to come in in the seventh inning and, and shut it down. And I mean,
2: <laughs> after throwing
1: that last strike and, and Nate comes out there and tackles me on the mound and <laughs> you get in the dog pile, it's an it's unbelievable experience.
0: So, as you mentioned, you came in in the seventh inning. I mean, did you know ahead of time that it was a chance he may come in that early? I mean, at what point did you know, like, Blake, we need you on the mound now?
1: Uh, Coach Thompson came to us, came to me and Carson Skipper before the game and said, hey, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm going Skipper, than you. Uh, And that could be in the fifth inning. So he didn't mm. know how far Barney might go. And so Barney threw five, Skipper – uh, Through a few more, and then uh I knew I was coming in right after Skipper ended, and and they kind of called down, and you can kind of feel you need that feeling, you know? They they just hit a bomb off of them, so mm-hmm. uh, it, you can the bullpen starts moving around. There's there's motion down there. And you get warmed up, and they give you a few batters, but then I mean, I'm pretty much moving the whole game, knowing I could come in at any time. So I was I was ready to go for sure, yeah. uh, mentally and physically.
0: Dude, man, I promise you when you came in in the seventh inning, man I was praying, golly, I was so nervous man, I was nervous for you, man, but like I said, I was praying, <laughs> dude, and uh man, you recorded the final eight outs, including five strikeouts. I mean when you got that last strikeout on Forrester, um man I had chills, dude, I mean, I just like I said, I almost started crying once you finally got that out I mean to go through Boyd, Meckler, and Forrester in that ninth. <sighs> Dude, like I so said, just thinking about it now, man, just got my heart racing, dude. Uh, I'm telling you, I was, man, I don't, I don't even know. Like I said, I'm not even a guy that really cries, but that's that's what that's what I felt. That's just what I felt, man. And it's, I don't even. I, mean, I wish I could have been there to, to 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 celebrate with you, but man, I'm telling you, I was right here in my apartment on that night and just ecstatic for you and just uh, like I said, just praising God, man, and just seeing what what He's done through you. Uh, through, through this whole or, ordeal, through this whole experience, man, it's been amazing. And, and Corvallis was definitely one of those moments for me, for sure. And, you know, going into the College World Series, which that, that elimination game, to win the Super Regional in Corvallis, to advance to Omaha, you got the final seven outs against Stanford. I mean, talk about being in Omaha. What was that like? I mean, there's every kid— thinks about playing in college in the college War series playing in omaha what was that experience i mean just not just playing in omaha but just being there
1: yeah i mean it's awesome being around those guys and with all that talent and you get to uh, just hang out with them pretty much uh i mean they had the the parade and all and you had dinner with them and then just the atmosphere of the town it's just such a such a good baseball atmosphere there's people come from all over just to stay for a week and watch those games being played. And they may not even be pulling for, they may not be pulling for any certain team on the field. They just came to watch. Uh, And every game there was like 22,000 plus fans in each, at each one of them. So, I mean, that's exciting right there. Just, just having that atmosphere and, and, and the people around there making that place. so awesome,
0: man. You know, social media today, nothing goes unnoticed, right? Like, all the predictions before the season was Auburn's going to be last. They're going to be next to last in the SEC West. I mean, like, was that something that the team talked about, or was it just more about just show up and playing ball? Like, what was the mentality going into the season and throughout the season when, you know, I mean, I, you guys knew that. I'm sure y'all knew ahead of time, like, that's what people were saying and that's what people were thinking. But, man, what was the team's mentality for the season?
1: Yeah. Coach Thompson actually told us, like, before the season, obviously, he was like, yeah, man, they got y'all predicted last. Like, so, I mean, we played with the chip on our shoulder pretty much all season. We had something to prove because we knew we weren't as bad as they thought we were. We didn't – we weren't as bad as we, they thought we were last year either. We just – seventh, eighth, ninth innings, we couldn't We couldn't figure it out last year. And mm-hmm. we know we had a good team, and all we had to do was find that missing piece and, and some more back-end guys and uh, put them into place. And luckily, we were able to do that this year. And, and prove a lot of people were on. Uh, I mean, the SEC West this year had four teams in Omaha, so <laughs> that just goes to show you how how impressive that side of the conference was. I mean, yeah. the SEC as a whole, but uh, specifically the West. So, I mean, uh, I was I was fine playing because uh, you don't have anything to lose when everybody thinks you're going to come in last. I mean, yeah. it's all the more reason to play harder.
0: Now, you know, just from – Sensing, uh, you know, seeing you guys and watching y'all play, there, there there seemed to be a sense of brotherhood on the team. I mean, am I right? Am I right in if So, like, what were some of the kind of just activities or ways that you guys were able to keep that close knit, close tight group throughout the season? Yeah, with
1: the, there was a uh, the culture was better this year on the yeah. team, and I mean you always have those guys or it seems like there's always some guys on the team that kind of bust that culture up a little mm-hmm, bit
2: mm-hmm.
1: kind of go their own way or they think they can tell everybody what to do and we didn't really have that this year that's what made us uh, kind of a special group but i mean starting in the fall this year just the the morning workouts and get, kind of going through that struggle with each other and building that camaraderie as a team it's a uh, that was definitely the starting point uh of the season we had definitely in the fall, those early mornings, uh grinding together and just enjoying each other's company and just kinda working for something. We knew like since the fall started, like that was our goal, going to Omaha. And we knew we had a lot of talent coming in from transfers. Uh so so we knew it was gonna be a possibility. Um and and the culture definitely definitely helped our odds on that.
0: Dude that's so important to like you said, have a culture where you enjoy being there you enjoy being a part of it you know uh and it could be your favorite thing that you love to do but if it's surrounded by people that that just make it miserable you know that's just one of those uh more frustrating feelings and just uncomfortable feelings i mean you know i've been on sports teams where you have a guy or two or that you like you said just just I don't know, like I said, selfish and doesn't, they don't, they're not team oriented. They don't think team first. They don't do anything uh, if it it doesn't involve them. You know, I mean, I've been in work environments where it's the same thing. And so you hate going to work because of this girl or this guy or whatever. So it's important, man, to have the right people in any culture, any environment. I don't care what it is. Having the right people, culture says a lot, man. I mean, you can have one, you can have talent. You can have the best talent, but if the culture isn't there as well, that meets the talent, then, you know, it's it's all for loss. So I totally get that yeah, for sure, man. for sure. Now, as we close this first segment, you know, I think about closing time, and I know your family had your shirts made <laughs> with the backwards K <laughs> instead of the C for closing. Man, when you reflect on your time as an Auburn Tiger, what memories come to mind?
2: Oh, uh,
1: I mean – I mean, freshman year, getting there and kind of not thinking you're, like, worthy of being there, uh, and then you kind of start fitting in, but then COVID kind of busted it up, and that was also, uh, that was a, a growing point in my career. I was able to gain a lot of weight uh, and come into the sophomore year, uh, inconsistency sophomore year, but, I mean, we had a good team. I had a lot of guys in there that I loved playing with uh, and a lot of good players, and then, obviously this year and, and proving so many people wrong and making it to Omaha and making it a year not only like we'll never forget, but I mean the Auburn, Auburn University as a whole and the fans that pour so much into this season every year. I mean, they meant a lot to us as well.
0: Pinch-A-Penny Pool, Patio and Spa is the introduction sponsor for The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. More than just a full service pool and supply company, they offer backyard entertainment options like Big Green Eggs, Clear light infrared saunas and patio furniture. Locally owned and operated by Jason and Amy Sharp. Finney Pool, Patio, and Spa, 1435 Westgate Parkway in Dothan. Our phone 334-671-Pool.
1: Many of us spend more time thinking about what's for dinner than thinking about retirement. But if you think your retirement deserves more attention, I can help. I'm Ever Jones Financial Advisor Greg Wakefield. Stop by our office at 5630 West Main Street in Dothan. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Care Animal Center is a local business partner at The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Their goal has always been to assemble a team that is dedicated to providing quality veterinary services for their clients' pets. Care Animal Center offers surgical, dental, medical, and pet wellness programs for that furry member of the family. Their website is careanimal.net. Care Animal Center. 3454 West Main Street in Dothan. 334 794 6333. Ridgecrest Baptist Church proudly supports all local athletics. At Ridgecrest, we have many opportunities for all ages, including children, middle school, high school, and college students. I'm Chase Fault, the student pastor, and I want to invite you to see how your family might fit in at Ridgecrest. Learn more on our website at rbcdothan.org.
0: Welcome back to The Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinch a Penny Pool Patio Spa. I'm your host, Corey Bradley, joined by my guy, Blake Burkhalter, new member of the Atlanta Braves, second-round pick, former Auburn closer. Blake, dude, um, as I mentioned, man, being selected by the Braves. We'll talk about the actual selection here in a bit. Speak on the pre-draft process. I mean, what was that like? I mean, what did you have to go through? I think you went to New York for a little bit. I mean, talk about that whole experience of the pre-draft experience.
1: All right. So uh, it kind of goes back to Christmas break when they first – a lot of the area scouts first start meeting with you. And, I mean, they don't all meet with you, uh, but they'll do, like, Zoom calls or in-person meetings there at Auburn. So – I think I'm at, I don't know how many, probably like around 10 to 12 area scouts at the time, just guys that would come up there and meet with multiple players. Uh, so that kind of, that, that was kind of the original starting point of like the process. And then once the season's over, I mean, they'll kind of text you throughout the year, but they really kind of want to leave you alone and let you do your thing. Yeah. Uh, And not put anything anymore on your plate. So right after the College World Series ends, that's when it starts picking back up a lot or whenever you get, Whenever you your season ends, personally, yeah. that's when it, that's when it starts picking up. Uh, so right after the College World Series, I started getting a lot of calls and texts, and uh, they were also in contact with my advisor uh, and kind of just setting up meetings. I do Zoom a bunch of Zoom calls or just over the phone type deals, and it's pretty much just meeting with them. It's kind of like an interview, but they just ask you a bunch of like personal questions and and different things about your mentality or, or what you think about the game or ways you think about the game and they may ask you for your pitch grips and stuff like that and it's just a way for them to for them to get to know you so they can speak to the head guys mm-hmm. on your <laughs> behalf it's more just like they're the intercessor yeah so uh that goes on all the way up until the draft. Uh, the week before the draft, they make the each team makes the draft board, so they kind of set up who they want to pick, uh, and then they'll get back to your advisor. So, I mean, pre-draft, right after the Cars World Series, a lot of teams are saying like rounds three to five. Uh, there was like five or six probably saying that, and then, but that was like they had said that before. Super regionals, I think, is what my advisor had said. Mm-hmm. So three to five, but he just hadn't relayed that to me. And then after the meetings and all the pre the the draft board meetings, then they talk to you. It's like two days before the draft or draft the day before the draft, and uh, they'll talk to your advisor and say, "Hey, we're looking at them right here and here." So it got counted down to like rounds three and four for sure. Mm-hmm. So early second day. Yeah. Uh, So we weren't expecting anything on the first day. And I was over at Gantz, my cousin, his house, and uh, I had a lot of family around. We were just watching the draft that that first night and uh, not expecting anything. We were just just chilling and and eating dinner together and just hanging out because we were planning on having a a draft party on Monday with the second day. And uh, it was toward the end of the draft, so my family had started going home and like they were like on pick 65 or something and that's when my advisor called and said the braves just contacted and uh i mean growing up the braves are my team (laughs) they're everybody in my family's team that's uh i mean dale murphy i grew up watching tim hudson dale murphy's one of my like my mom's favorite game's favorite it's just a family favorite and then Uh, I grew up watching Tim Hudson and and then for him to come be my pitch coach at Auburn was just unbelievable (laughs) Uh, but yeah so uh, I mean they called and I was like man I can't really I can't really pass up this opportunity (laughs) Uh, so they said hey we're gonna take you with our next pick right here Uh, I'm like I couldn't even sit still. I was I was up pacing around. <laughs> Everybody was going crazy. We were getting people on the phone trying to get them back over to camps.
2: Yeah.
1: Whole family that had left. And uh, I told my friends to come over real quick. So I had about eight or – I had like seven or eight buddies come over. And uh, whenever we got that – whenever they announced my name on the TV, it was uh, – I mean, words can't really describe that feeling you get. Uh, I was shaking all the way up to that point then. Just that sigh of relief uh, when it finally happened, it's, it's it's crazy. It's a crazy experience. But uh, I'm down here in Florida now and just, just trying to get my arm back in shape and get my body into shape mm-hmm. and uh, just do whatever they have planned next for me.
0: Now, you mentioned, uh, if I recall correctly, that – you know, they round sixty-five. They called and let you know that, hey, we're interested in taking you at number seventy-six, but you weren't quite sure. Were you? Were you still kind of like, okay, they're interested, but they haven't really confirmed that they're going to take me at this selection.
1: Uh, yeah. So they called originally, and um, they're like, hey, like, will you do this number? They were talking to my advisor. He was talking to me, and I was like. No, I don't want to do that number. I, I want more. Uh, and so he's like, "Are you sure you want to like hang up on them because they're, they're <laughs> probably not gonna call you back?" I was like, I kind of looked around and like Gant was there with me and my mom and some other family, and I was like, I mean, yeah, I think I think I can get some more money. Yeah, uh, maybe early tomorrow. And so we're like, yeah, just tell them, tell them no. Uh, and then they called back and and raised the offer a little bit, and it was it was close enough to what I wanted and being the Braves that I was, I couldn't, I couldn't turn that opportunity down. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I, I mean, I told her no originally. So I guess God had a plan for me to come here and and play for this organization.
0: Yeah. Dude, man, that's, that's amazing. Like, you know, sometimes like you say, I'm not at peace about this number. I'm not at peace about what they're offering, what they're saying. And like you said, man, that's that's the beauty of of like you said, trust in God and knowing He has a plan for you. Hey, I want you to be here, but hey, even you trusted that feeling, and look, I got you. I got you a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, dude, that's yeah. amazing. That's a that's a blessing. I mean, that's just a life lesson too, man. That's something I, you know, that I pray on and work on every day is, you know, making the right decision. Okay, that's I'm not sold on this completely. Let's not do that. You know, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, like I said, confident right now on what's being said or what's being done. Let's wait it out and see. You know, let it play out. So uh, I commend you for that for sure, man. Because you know, I'm sure a lot of people in that situation is like, yeah, let's go. Like I don't care, whatever. Let's go. you know. But you have to make when it's your career, when it's your your livelihood. You need to do what's best for you. You know, so you know your value, you know your worth, and you want to stay true to that at all times. So I definitely commend you for. Yeah. Were staying true to you man, definitely um you know obviously being selected by the braves is huge huge braves fan did you know did you have an idea that atlanta was that interested in you i mean if it wasn't atlanta which other teams were you kind of leaning towards that you felt may uh, take you in the mlb draft
1: i had no idea atlanta was <laughs> close to the ballpark i was I actually talked to their area scout very late, and and then I had an interview with somebody else uh, in the organization late. like I mean, a week, a week and a half before the draft, so I didn't think they were anywhere close. But I know uh, Tim Hudson definitely had a big say in in, in me being able to come here. Uh, He definitely put in a good word for Mm -hmm. me. But, I mean, honestly, I was thinking I was going to go to the Reds or the Guardians or the Red Sox. Mm. Those were probably the top three uh, those were probably the top three, and uh, because I'd already talked to the Red Sox scout and kind of gotten a number for uh in their their third round pick. I'd already yeah. gotten a number from them uh, that day, and I mean we called the the Red Scout because they had a pick. They were like three picks before the Braves, right there at the end of the first day.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we called the guy, and was like, "Hey, the Braves are about to, uh." grab me if, if y'all want an option, but uh, they didn't, so that's that's how it ended up.
0: <laughs> man, so, you know, being a fran- fan of the Braves, uh, I mean, who was, your, who was your favorite player? Like, I know you spoke on Dale Murphy, but who was your favorite player That or favorite pitcher? We can change the position. Dale Murphy can be your favorite player as far as position goes, but it's your favorite pitcher or just, man, who were a couple of guys that you uh, just you know, we're in awe of watching as a kid growing up?
1: Uh, Tim Hudson, honestly. (laughs) Uh, I remember coming home at night uh, and I'd go to like my parents' room and and turn on the Braves and watch them. And I always loved watching Huddy pitch. He was always uh, pretty dominant and just, I enjoyed watching him. I don't know why, but he was kind of my, my guy that I liked to watch uh, when I was younger. So, that's just kind of crazy how it all happened and <laughs> <laughs> how he ended up coaching me. Uh, I mean, he'll never really know, like, that I was – I mean, I've told him I was a big fan, but, <laughs> I mean, everybody tells him they're a big fan, you know. Yeah. They never really know. Like, you kind of idolize them, but, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely Tim wasn't growing up. And then, I mean, I don't even know.
0: Said Huddy was that I liked,
1: guy. I like to watch. I to watch Chipper Jones too.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chipper's. I love a, watching him. Yeah, that's a very popular uh, fan favorite for sure, man. Everybody loves Chipper, man. So I'm not surprised on that answer at all, man. I remember, um, you know, when I first started playing ball, you know. Obviously, Jordan is big, but it was also because of David Justice who played with the Braves at the time, man. He was left-handed like I was, and, you know, Justice was that guy, man. Uh, So, yeah, 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 I understand. And the Braves being here in the state of Alabama, they make a huge impact on, you know, obviously playing the game and then who you root for, who are some of your guys. And at that time, when I was young – they played on TBS every night, like every, every night was like, yep. you know, at Braves baseball, man. So that's what me and my granddad did. And, you know, man, I, uh, those are some of my favorite moments for sure as a kid growing up watching the Braves with my granddad, man, it was something that I'll never forget, you know? So, uh, but yeah. you know, that night, man, of being drafted, you know, you talked about the, just being anxious and just being nervous and just anticipating what's going to happen, where I'm going to go, you said that night you had trouble sleeping, that you were up to like almost four o'clock, man. Talk about the adrenaline. I mean, dude, I can dude, I'll tell you I'll I'll tell you this. Like, I was literally, you know, laying in the bed, you know, once you got drafted, I went to bed and you know, I was up to probably around one. And I was like, I was having trouble going to sleep myself, you know. So, I was like, man, I bet Blake is really, like, there's no way he's going to go to bed tonight, man. I know he's going to – he's just just on cloud nine, man. So, talk about just that adrenaline rush, man, just of trying to calm down after it was all over.
1: Yeah, it kind of reminded me of, like, being on the mound and coming in late in the game, like, that type of adrenaline rush. But, uh, yeah, a lot of my buddies were at Gantz. We hung out for – I don't know how long, probably an hour and a half after the draft and sat around. Then uh, I don't remember what we did after that. I know we ended up – we ate at Waffle House that night about 2.30 or 3. Because <laughs> we were, we we had been up so late, we, were, we just got hungry, but he kind of just let us hang around there at his house for the longest time and, until we got hungry. And then we went, went on over to Waffle House. And yeah, I don't think I went home. I didn't get in s- – I didn't get in bed till around four. I don't know what time I went to sleep. Probably well after that, but I mean I was trying to respond to people. I had to call I called Coach Thompson. Uh so like I was I was trying to get in contact with a bunch of people and uh that yeah, a lot of people were reaching out, so many people.
0: Yeah, man. I was like, I'm not gonna call him tonight, I'm not gonna text. I know his phone is blowing up like crazy and you know i was appreciative that you invited me to your draft party which was the next night um so man i was like i'll i'll tell him and love on him tomorrow man when i see him but i was like, i'm not going to bother him tonight i know he's getting all all kind of you know messages on instagram and text messages and phone calls so I ah, said, so I'll wait another day. I already know he he knows, man. He, like I so said, you knew you knew that I was thinking about yeah. you and I was proud of you, man. So I was definitely glad, like I said, to be there and, and able to attend your draft party with you and your friends and your family. So that was that was important to me. I know it was important to you, but man, that was really important to me to 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 be there. Uh, you know, it was definitely a blessing. So, you know, you you left July twenty fourth for the Braves training facility down in Florida. You know, you kind of talked about Greg Olson, how he was an Auburn reliever and, you know, he wanted to make the move as a starter at the next level. I mean, is this something that you already knew or did somebody inform you about Greg Olson also had that similar transition? And uh, because I know the Braves would like you to start as a starter. So, I mean, is that something that you already knew about or did somebody have to inform you about Greg Olson going through a similar transition?
1: I already knew about Greg because Ole comes around. He hangs around uh, the ballpark, especially my freshman year. He was he'd hang around in Auburn because I mean he pitched there at Auburn. Uh, he was he was awesome, mm-hmm. and he would he would come and help and give pointers and just kind of hang out. And uh, so he would tell us different stories about that, and he he told us about that at one point. I don't remember when it was, but that kind of I just remember that story of him telling me that and. Oh uh, yeah, I guess they're still wanting to do that for, with me. Um, I don't know what that's going to look like. Yeah, uh, but I mean, I'm willing to try anything. Yeah, um, they're the ones paying me, so <laughs> I'll do whatever they want me to do. I guess.
0: So I know you haven't been down there long, um, just a little bit over a week. But man, talk about. I mean, have you learned? What have you learned so far during this transition of? going from reliever to starter, what are some of the things I worked on or talked about?
1: They haven't really split us up mm-hmm. into, like, different different things like that. It's kind of just been, like, everybody getting your arm in a shape, a couple guys throwing bullpens. Yeah. Um, getting ready to roll. Some of the older guys, they're trying to go ahead and get them, uh, get their arms in shape and kind of get them sent off to a low A or high A, uh, something of that nature. Um, but they haven't really – they haven't really gotten in anything like that. It's mostly been just like get up in the morning, you got to throw, do some conditioning, do some defensive work, and then you're done for the day. So I mean, we're done by twelve o'clock every day, and we have the whole afternoon to sit around and do nothing. It gets pretty boring here. Actually, <laughs> there's not there's not a whole lot to do around here, so we end up taking a bunch of naps. And yeah, they have a pool table and ping pong and cornhole. We end up doing that a lot. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's tough finding stuff to do for <laughs> eight hours a day. But I guess it's I guess that makes it easy too. It's yeah. easy for now.
0: Yeah. Now, uh man, you know, it's one thing to go from being it's one thing to be a student athlete, you know, it's one thing to be a student athlete. I don't care what the sport is, I don't care what the college you were at. I mean, that's a challenge. But man, talk about going from being a student athlete to only being a to to be only being an athlete dude i mean you don't have to worry about studying and and test and and all that kind of stuff i mean but obviously there's still you're a student of the game so man talk about just your love of the game and what what you're looking to grow as a student of the game with only being an athlete like i said no more library late night study guys none of that but you get a chance to just play baseball
1: yeah, that's the best part. I mean, <laughs> I, I really hate school, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Uh I, I, I really just don't enjoy it. Uh, I'm <laughs> glad I don't have to worry about that anymore. Uh, that's a blessing. But just getting to focus on baseball, that's kind of what we look forward to in the postseason every year in college. Like, we're just like, hey, let's get there. And, like, we don't have to worry about school. We can just do this. Uh, and then you end up usually playing better. That's probably what helped me a lot in the postseason was just not having to worry about taking the tests every weekend or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the mentality definitely shifts when you get into professional baseball. And it is a job, and you do have to work on stuff like that. The mental side, not just, like, working out and throwing and stuff, but there's there's also that aspect of the game, too, that you can work on uh, and get better at. You can't just sit around all the time. It's easy to get complacent, you know, not trying to get any better. But, uh Definitely it is a job now, so you gotta work for a living and this is just another 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 way to work for it.
0: So Blake, man, before I let you go, dude, you know, you know this is the beginning. I know this is the beginning. This is a brand new chapter. Man, take a second and just share some advice to others. Um obviously, you know, playing in the SEC Uh, being a closer for Auburn, you know, helping them lead, help lead them to the College World Series and just everything you accomplished along the way. Uh, Now being a member of the Braves organization, I mean, you know, this is is a big deal, And, and, and you realize it's a big deal as well. I mean, everybody around you understand how important this is. But, man, I think that there's people who can learn from just, you know, you sharing a few words as far as advice, on achieving your goals, you know, achieving your goals. It doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are. Somebody's always driven towards something. So, man, if you don't mind, just share a few words, dude, on advice and, and kind of, you know, pull from your experiences that could possibly help another person.
1: Yeah, I guess kind of the main thing I would say is, is never think you're not good enough. I mean, I grew up and I was always the smallest guy on every team I ever played on. Hmm. Uh, From as far back as I can remember, I couldn't even, my mom wouldn't even let me play football growing up just because I was so small. Uh, And somewhere in high school, maybe ninth or tenth grade, I think it was ninth grade, that kind of, that switch flipped in my head. And I knew I really wanted to play college ball, tried really hard in the weight room, uh, stayed after practice and did a bunch of stuff. And I know that that's, Like, everybody says that, but, I mean, yeah, that does actually help. Um, And a lot of guys, it it clicks for different people at different times, and I was just lucky for me. It clicked early enough in uh, in my high school career that I could do something about it because sometimes it clicks too late, and you're Mm. like, man, I wish I wouldn't have wasted all that time back in the gym or back in high school. I could have actually been a decent ball player. Yeah. Uh, And so definitely about 10th grade, that's – that's when that transition started happening and that mentality changed and I had a goal to look forward to. So, I mean, every time I got in the weight room, every time I got on the field, I went to the batting cage, which I don't hit anymore, but it was still on that mentality. Like if I want to be good, I'm going to have to work harder than a lot of other people and kind of stand out. I mean, I, I did two hours, three hours worth of extra work probably uh, four four times a week. Yeah. Just trying to, trying to take that that next edge off the off the opponent and I mean yeah, just never never think you're not good enough, I guess.
0: Man, that's that's some of the best advice you could give. I mean, for anybody, as I mentioned, I don't care if you play sports or not or what you're doing in your life, uh, like I said, we're always we have goals, we have dreams, we have things we want to accomplish but it's so important, as you mentioned, to to n- never think you're not good enough because that is such a mental killer and and just something that just pulls you back and constantly pulls you back. And it's so important to surround yourself with people who are only going to lift you up. You know, my pastor Darius Creighton back home always says, you know, I mean, you know, you, you hear the saying of, you know, people are like elevators; they either bring you up or take you down. And you know, that's that's something that you got to do, you got to make sure the things that you're hearing are only things that going to uh, uplift you. And yep. when you do hear somebody say something that does, that's on the opposite of what you're striving towards, don't keep thinking about it. Don't, don't keep reliving it, you know, dismiss those doubts and those, you know, those statements that doesn't line up with what you're believing in. So man, dude, appreciate you, man. I appreciate you coming through the sweet spot. My guy, Blake Burke halter, Man, um, just glad you could come on the show again, man. Like it's been, it's been a while. You know, I love talking to you, man. Whether it's here on the sweet spot or just, man, in person or just, just catching up with you, man. So I'm glad that you took the time to, to, to bless us with your presence, man. For sure.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad you had me, Corey. I had a good time.
0: Man, uh, like I take it back to that night you were drafted that Sunday night. Like I'm laying on the couch, and I love the draft. Like anybody that knows me, I eat up the draft. MLB. NFL, NBA, like I'm literally there for every pick if I can. And so, man, I was chilling on the couch. And so when the Braves, like they had, what, like four picks on day one, if I'm not mistaken, man. So, you know, when they got later in, in in the night and, of course, at number 76, I was like, man, it be how awesome would it be for Blake to go to the Braves? You know, like no love. So uh, mm-hmm. Fred McGriff comes to the podium and, and yeah. announces your name dude i just couldn't help but smile and smile and smile and be like i know that guy like for real like i know this guy it's not like man i've met him or i know of him or you know he's from this city and you know i've seen him around i've heard his name like no i know this guy like this dude is a good dude like he is a real good person um just just like i can't say enough of good things about you as a person like forget the pitching and the, the, you know, being second in the country and say, like, we're not talking about that. We are just talking about who you are as a person, man. So, you know, I always tell you, I always tell your mom, I always tell again, just people that I know when I talk about you. So, uh, Blake, dude, super proud of you. As you already know, man, I'm just gonna leave you with these words. Keep doing you and keep being you, man. Keep being you, seriously. Um, cause I, I like I said, dude, I could I could go on and on about just how good of a person that you are and that you've always been, I always tell people this, like you've always been you. You've always been the same Blake from day one that I've met you, regardless of what you've accomplished or regardless of, you know, the excitement and the accolades and everything that comes along with it. Like you are still Blake Burkhalter, like the same guy. Nothing's changed, man. You're the same old you. Yeah. So, uh, dude, uh, proud of you, man, and, you know, I love you, dude.
1: Love you too, man. I, I appreciate all that. that
0: that means a lot you've been listening to Blake Burkhalter former Northview Cougar and Auburn alum second round pick of the Atlanta Braves number 76 overall you know just a few stats and numbers that I want to share for Blake because Blake won't tell you what he accomplished his accolades the achievements like that's the type of guy he is he's just super humble so On his behalf, I'm going to share a few of his honors and awards that he accumulated in this junior season. Um, You heard me mention in the episode that he was second in the nation. He had 16 saves, which led all of the SEC, of course. He was second team All-SEC, second team All-American by three different organizations, first team All-Southeast region. He was a finalist for the NCBWA Stopper of the Year Award. And, you know... One of the more impressive stats for me, and I'm sure he would tell you this as well, is only having seven walks and 46 and a third innings. I mean, my baseball fans, you know how frustrating it is at any level, from little league to high school and college. Bro, there's nothing worse than seeing a pitcher who doesn't have good control. You know, I know Blake would tell you the same. That was one of his uh, proud moments is not walking people. You know, we all know how important that is, especially for those pitchers who are looking to be the guy at the end of the game. And Blake also accomplished something that had never been done before in Auburn history. During the weekend of April 22nd through the 24th, the Tigers beat South Carolina, sweeping them in all three games, and Blake recorded a save in each one. Three games, three saves, the first time that had been done in Auburn history, and the first in the league in the SEC since 2017. As for a career, Blake had fifty one career relief appearances, three oh one ERA, striking out one hundred and four batters in seventy one and two thirds innings. Blake, man, super proud of you as you've heard me tell you time and time again, as I will continue to do, and man, like I said, love you and most importantly, keep being you and continue to let God to use you in whatever you do and wherever you go.
2: And as always There's nothing better than being in the sweet spot.